When was the last time you attended a slumber party with your girlfriends and discussed issues on your heart? If you're like me, it's been quite some time. Hi and welcome. My name is Felice Gerwitz and I welcome you to tonight's Mommy Jammies Night. This is a time for you and my friends from around the world to join us live. Put on a comfortable pair of pajamas, pull up a chair, and settle in with your favorite refreshment. And prepare to be blessed as I welcome tonight's guest. Hi and welcome to all of you who are joining us this evening. I am so excited about tonight's topic because um, I have a special guest on the line and this is one of my internet friends. It's probably like 10 years ago. This would have sounded so so weird. But um, we all have friends uh, that we've met online or most of us do anyway. And um, Marcy Crabtree is one of those friends that I can't wait to someday meet in real life. But um, I'm sure many of you um, who are listening tonight uh, know Marcy. And if you have not met Marcy, I encourage you to go to her website at benandme.com. And you are in for a treat tonight because she is going to talk to us about delightful planning. Welcome, Marcy. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you as well because I am getting a chance to get to meet you um, as we were doing the behind-the-scenes planning and, um, you know, working out all of the, the um, you know, topic ideas and things like that. So I got to see, you know, a bit more of your heart. And um, I'm excited because you have written a book, uh, e-book, um, and you're going to tell us about that in just a minute. But first... Um, you're a homeschool mom, and I want you to share a little bit about yourself and your family with our listeners. Sure. Um, yes, I am a homeschool mom. I have one son, Ben, which is kind of where the blog name comes from, Ben and me, I'm me. And he is 14. We've been homeschooling from the very beginning. Um, God laid it on my heart when Ben was about three that we should homeschool. I had no clue until that point that that would be the road we would travel, but I have been grateful for it ever since. Um, I've been married to Tom for almost 18 years. Our anniversary is coming up in August. We live in Louisville, Kentucky, which is um, under a lot of water right now, lots of storms <laughs> and flooding going on here. Um, but but that's, that's who we are. Wow, and um, I know a lot of the moms here in the chat room tonight are sharing that they have storms as well, so uh, we're just going to pray protection for everyone and that um, there is no um, problem with the audio tonight so that we can, you know, um, hear what Marcy has to share. And Marcy, you um, wrote a book uh, that is called Delightful uh, Planning, and it is an ebook um, you have on your website. And so people can go to thebenemy.com forward slash delightful dash planning uh, and find out more about it. But tell us uh, what made you decide to write this book. Oh, I'd love to tell you. We, we, I say we as though Ben is blogging with me. It feels like he does since I blog a lot about him. <laughs> but I, I have been blogging for, for a long time, since the end of Ben's kindergarten year. And a few years into our homeschool journey, we began using the delightful 
learn, you know, delight directed, delightful planning kind of learning for our homeschool. And over the years, I've blogged a lot about delight directed learning. I've blogged a lot about using unit studies because that's the method that we use um, in order to incorporate Ben's interest and his delight. We use unit studies, and so. For several years, I've blogged off and on about those topics, and I get a lot of questions and emails from from moms, especially those who have children who have topics of interest that you can't readily find a unit study to buy mm-hmm. in order to use. It's real simple if your child wants to learn about, you know, dolphins or birds or pilgrims, you know, things like that. But when they want to learn about um, princesses or Minecraft or, you know, some topics that um, are a little bit um, out of the box, then moms are at a loss for how to do that. And so they would email me and ask me these questions, you know, how do I, you know, do a unit study on princesses or how do I do a unit study on Minecraft? So what I decided to do with Delightful Planning is combine those two passions of mine, delight directed learning and unit studies into one ebook. And so the the subtitle of the book is A Unit Study Planner for Every Homeschool. And what I've done is given homeschool moms some very simple tools and methods of observation that they can use to first of all figure out the interests and passions of their children and then parlay those into unit studies. So lots of interest-led unit studies can be your entire method of homeschooling or it can be something that you do once a week or, you know, maybe for a week every now and then or for the summer. So that's why I say it's for every homeschool. So no matter what you want to do, if you want to only do delight-directed unit studies, then you can use this planner. If you just want to do it every once in a while, you can still use this planner. If you use a curriculum in a box and you just want to ever once in a while do something fun, then you can use this planner. I've made it super flexible. It's got great tools. And it has some planning pages and tools to use to brainstorm with your children, to plan field trips. There's information, lots of field trip ideas and mm-hmm. ideas for using um like a Friday fun school kind of jar if you want to do that. There are um, actual planning sheets for unit studies, just lots of tools, following rabbit trails, all kinds of fun things. So, <laughs> Rabbit trails, that's a, a biggie around here. Um, it, it's, it gets to be pretty humorous that we start on one topic and then we find ourselves way down the road. But, yeah, that's great. And, you know, what it sounds like to me, Marcy, is this gives people a way to um, record what they're doing because a lot of times we we have so many um, great little segues um, outside of what we're learning, and I really don't write those down. So I think that's, you know, a wonderful thing to have for moms and kind of take the, you know, the planning out of um you know, the laborious category and putting it into something that, that is really helpful for moms. So it sounds like it is a great tool. I hope so. People seem to enjoy it, so I'm very thrilled. Oh, good, good. Well, I'm excited to um, sit back now and have you um, do our presentation for this evening, and then um, when you're ready, I will 
come back at the end and we will field some questions from the audience. So go ahead and get started, Marcy. Thank you. Thank you, Felice. It's so great to be here with you guys. I'm so passionate about this topic and I hope I don't talk too fast because I'm so excited to have this opportunity to share with you all about delight-directed learning. Are you all familiar with the term? Have you all heard of it? It's something that I really started doing before I even knew what it was called. Um, so what I'm going to focus on tonight, it's been the joy of our homeschooling for several years now, and I want to share with you all a little bit about how that happened and why I think that it's such a useful method of homeschooling. <clears throat> First of all, the word delight, I just love that word, and it's so lovely. The whole idea of delight occurs more than a 100 times in Scripture, and it generally means to incline toward or take pleasure in. And according to Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, delight is also described as a satisfaction of mind or joy. And what else could we ask from our educational approach than for our students to have a satisfaction of mind and joy, especially both of those together? When it comes to learning, a high degree of pleasure isn't a bad thing either. The Bible tells us that God delights in things like obedience and honesty, truthfulness, a blameless life, and, of course, his people. The first chapters of Genesis tell us over and over that God said his creation was good. I can imagine that he delighted in the creation of the sun and the moon, the stars, the oceans, animals, birds, and, of course, his people. And because we're created in his image, it's in our nature to find delight in these things as well. And God has certainly filled our world with many things that can and should delight us. So it's natural for our children to delight in that creation, too. So delight-directed learning is just a spinoff of that. We take these things that our children find delight in and turn that into educational opportunities for them. Delight-directed learning can be defined as allowing the interests and passions of your children, those things which bring them great joy and delight, to dictate what and how they learn. It's not quite the same as unschooling. Um, if you've talked to me much, you might have heard me say that we're kind of a hair's breadth away from unschooling, but I would never really classify our method as unschooling, and neither would a true unschooler. Um, if you talked with John Holt, if you had a chance to do that, he was kind of the unschooling guru. He defined unschooling in this way. When pressed, I define unschooling as allowing children as much freedom to learn in the world as their parents can comfortably bear. The advantage of this method is that it doesn't require you, the parent, to become someone else, a professional teacher pouring knowledge into child vessels on a planned basis. Instead, you live and learn together, pursuing questions and interests as they arise and using conventional schooling on an on-demand basis if at all. This is the way we learn before going to school and the way we learn when we leave school and enter the world of work. And I know that um, that definition probably sounds very similar to delight-directed learning, but unschooling is more a way of life. I think the main difference is that most homeschoolers 
who follow a delight-directed path do use curriculum, especially for the three R's. They're using math resources. They're using writing programs. They're teaching their children how to read with phonics. The other big difference is that delight-directed learning can be part of homeschooling, just one part. Like I mentioned earlier when I was discussing my ebook with police, it's something you can do once a week or one week at a time or just during summer months. You can use delight-directed learning for just one subject or for all subjects. It's a method of homeschooling. Unschooling is not really considered homeschooling at all. It's the opposite of schooling. Um, schooling is a lifestyle. You do it all the time, every day, not just when you need a break from the regular routine or to indulge a high school elective. It's more self-directed than delight-directed learning. But I think it's important to just distinguish between those two things before we go on in the rest of this talk, um, just because I think a lot of homeschool moms do sometimes use the terms unschooling and delight-directed learning interchangeably. Our family happened upon the delight-directed method, like I said before, before I even had heard of the term. My son was about second or third grade, and I realized I was losing his attention in our homeschool. When Ben, who is now 14, was a little guy and we began homeschooling, I saw my job in the beginning as researcher. I poured over homeschool magazines. I remember buying my very first subscription to the Old Schoolhouse magazine on eBay. Back then, I don't even know if there was a website. That's where you bought the magazine was on eBay. And I read that magazine every quarter when it came from cover to cover. I loved reading all the articles from those seasoned homeschool moms, and I really loved the ads. And I might have loved the ads a little bit too much because those led me to lots of time surfing the Internet. For hours, I would spend time looking at homeschool curriculum and learning about methods of homeschooling. I joined online forums and Yahoo groups. I read books. I remember the first book that I ever read was the one that Lisa, Lisa Welchel wrote. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was her book that she wrote on homeschooling. And I didn't know any homeschoolers locally. I didn't know anyone in person in my real life who homeschooled at the time. And so these online forums and Yahoo groups and magazines and websites, those were um, my connection to the homeschool world and how I was learning. And early on, and I mean like preschool, kindergarten when I say early on, we used a literature-based unit study curriculum very successfully. But as Ben got a little bit older, I got a little bit crazy. So by the time he was around first or second grade, I knew that if I was going to homeschool this bright, active, curious little boy, I was going to do it upright. Ben had started reading at the age of three, and I was pretty sure he was a genius. He's not. He's very bright, but he's not a genius. But I was going to be sure to give him that education that he deserved, and money was no object. I still worked outside of the home at the time as a nurse, and basically my husband allowed for my income to be spent however I saw fit. And so I was free to spend as much money as I wanted on homeschool curriculum. And spend I did. I literally spent thousands of dollars 
by the time Ben was in the third grade. If you name the curriculum, we probably tried it, especially if it was math. Even so, even with all of those resources, every time somebody said this is the best or that is the best, I bought it, but we still struggled off and on from the beginning, really. It began early. If we weren't having fun, then Ben was acting out. I blamed it on bad attitude or laziness or hyperactivity on his part. Or sometimes I blamed it on my own inability to find a curriculum that worked for his learning style. As much time as I'd spent researching, as much money as I had spent buying what I thought was the best homeschool product out there, I really had no idea what was going on. All I knew is that we were miserable. I was trying to do too much. I was changing curriculum far too often. I was spending way too much money, and Ben was completely bored with all of it. After a few years, I found myself with an 8-year-old child, newly diagnosed as ADHD, who was constantly fighting me about doing school every single day. And I was selling as much curriculum as I purchased, feeling like a complete failure as a homeschool mom. I watched as curiosity just disappeared from those eyes that used to twinkle at the thought of learning something new. My bright little boy was losing the love of learning already, and he was in third grade. I didn't think that was supposed to happen until middle school. Does any of this sound familiar to you all? It probably does, and that's why I wanted to chat with you tonight. I know that some of you are out there listening, whether you're listening live or you're listening to the recording, you're frustrated with how things are going in your homeschool. You may not have been as extravagant as I was in trying to find the right resources for your kids, but things are not working well, and you're frustrated, and your kids are frustrated, and those are the people I want really to reach out to tonight. I have prayed hard for this whole week that you will leave tonight just very, very encouraged and maybe even feel a weight lifted off of your shoulders with some of the stories I'm going to share with you now about what our homeschool has been like for the last few years. In a last-ditch effort to rekindle that love of learning that Ben had when we first began homeschooling, I purchased a wonderful boxed curriculum. And when I say it was a wonderful boxed curriculum, I mean that. I'm not, um, I don't mean that in any kind of sarcastic way. It truly was a wonderful curriculum. It still is a company that I highly respect and, and think produces and publishes wonderful stuff. It had all of the elements that I thought Ben would love. It was literature rich. It came with fun activities. It was very unit study-ish, which, you know, was a method that we had enjoyed earlier in our homeschool journey. And it had what I thought I needed, a daily lesson plan. We had done so many switches in our homeschool with different curriculum that I never knew from day to day what I was doing. Or I would lesson plan for this book and then then would hate it and then we would move on to something else. And I just, I was still working outside the home as a nurse. And I really felt like I needed something that said, okay, on Monday, read this, do this. So I was excited. The curriculum was geography-based, which was an added bonus because at this time in his young life, 
then was obsessed with maps and globes. We would be traveling the world, learning about all the people and places and animals and foods of many different cultures. How much fun was that going to be? I was so excited to have finally found the perfect curriculum. Then we started, and the first week it happened. We fell off the lesson plan. Has that ever happened to you all? You're just moving along, everything's going great, and then something happens to veer off course. And that's what happened to us. For you, it might sound something like this. The next lesson in your geography curriculum takes you on a tour of Canada. After spending a wonderful day learning all about the winter climate and snowy weather, the lesson plan leads you on a trip down a stream in British Columbia where you discover the architect of the animal world, the beaver. He wants to find books at the library, watch videos, draw and paint beavers, and spends much of the day building beaver dams and lodges out of Lincoln Logs. At lunchtime, you find him gnawing a raw carrot the way a beaver would gnaw a tree trunk. It's wonderful to see the excitement in his eyes as he learns. But the next week, when you're ready to move on to the next country, your curious and creative child just wants time learning more about beavers. What's a homeschool mom to do? The lesson plan says it's time to move on to Mexico. You could just tell him how sorry you are that there's no more time to learn about beavers because Mexico is next on the lesson plan. Or you could put the lesson plan away for a few days and enjoy the delight your child has found in this interesting creature. You may have guessed that this is a true account from our own homeschool. When this happened, I'm sad to say we moved on to the next thing on the lesson plan. But something happened when we began studying Mexico, and this time I took notice. Ben became as obsessed with butterflies as he had been with beavers. We were studying the migratory pattern of the monarch when suddenly his questions bombarded me. What other kinds of butterflies are there, Mama? Can we learn about all of them? Can we go see butterflies at the zoo? Can we grow butterflies? Can we go outside and catch butterflies? If you ask most homeschool moms what they hope to accomplish with their children, you're sure to hear, I want them to love learning somewhere near the top of the list. That was certainly important to me. I think where we sometimes get confused is in the how-to. How to instill that love for learning. How to fan the flames when you see a little spark. How to keep them from getting bored how to get them excited about homeschooling. In the middle of that study of Mexico, when Ben became obsessed with butterflies, I had a revelation. I realized his poor behavior during homeschooling wasn't about his attitude or his activity level. It wasn't even a character issue or my lack of meeting his learning style needs. It was boredom, plain and simple boredom. It was like that philosophy class I had in college that I had no interest in but was required to take. As a nursing major, I loved almost all of my classes in science, psychology, sociology. Give me anatomy and physiology and I flourish. Give me philosophy and I fall asleep. Metaphorically speaking, Ben was falling asleep. He needed more anatomy and physiology or maybe beavers and butterflies but I was giving him philosophy. American poet Dorothy Parker once said, the cure for boredom is curiosity. 
there is no cure for curiosity. That is one of my all-time favorite quotes. And from my personal experience, there may not be a cure for curiosity, but there's certainly a way to stamp it out and stamp out that love for learning at the very same time. Here are a few ways. An impersonal boxed curriculum, strict schedules, uninteresting, boring subject matter, long, tedious lessons sitting at a desk, not enough time to explore. From the very beginning of our homeschool journey, I was often swayed by all of those beautiful catalogs, magazines, fancy websites, or passionate convention speakers, all touting the latest and greatest in homeschool curricula. Even after spending thousands of dollars, I often felt like if I didn't try the latest and greatest new thing, I was somehow failing my son. In the end, it was because of my own insecurities that I was failing him, not because I didn't purchase the right curriculum. You're probably familiar with the quote from Yates, education is not filling a bucket but lighting a fire. I realized that by filling our bookshelves with expensive curriculum, I was attempting to fill Ben's bucket. I should have been finding things that would light his fire. Sometimes I did get a spark, but before I could really burn bright, before it could really burn bright, I snuffed it out time and time again. In the end, instead of helping him find delight, enjoyment, joy in his learning, I was leading him down the road toward boredom, dread, and frustration, the exact opposite of the place we wanted to be. When Ben went crazy over those butterflies, it finally hit me. This method of homeschooling, allowing him to dig deep when something truly interested him, was working for him. It didn't matter what I wanted him to learn. It didn't even matter what interested me. When he was learning about those things that he found interest in, he didn't complain about being bored. And most days he was excited about what was next. Well, except for math. He's never excited about math. Not one day in his life has he been excited about math. But he was excited about learning. And he was taking ownership, even at that young age, for his homeschool days. It was during this time that he learned how to use PowerPoint. When we finished learning about butterflies, I got smart, and we went back to continue to study about beavers. Ben wanted to do a presentation on the beaver for his nana. But like many 8-year-old boys with ADHD, Handwriting was very laborious for him, so I taught him how to use PowerPoint. That gave him a new tool to use to express his excitement for the subject matter at hand, and it really impressed his nana, too. That curious sparkle returned. He was enjoying learning again, and I didn't really need expensive curriculum with a tight lesson plan to make that happen. A library card and a computer were pretty much all we needed. Does that mean we don't have shelves or boxes filled with homeschool curriculum? Not at all. I've been a curriculum reviewer for years. I help manage the review team for the Old School House magazine. You'll find many reviews on my blog for everything from books to apps to year-long curriculum resources, online programs, even games and toys. I have publicly confessed to being a curriculum junkie. I may have confess that to you all tonight. You may have figured it out if I didn't. But here's an even bigger confession. I love homeschool curriculum, 
but we never use it as it's designed to be used. We've never completed a full year of Apology of Science. We've never completed a full year of the Mystery of History, though we have those books on our shelves. Instead, we use all of these resources as just that, resources. Here's an example. When Ben wanted to learn about oceans, we pulled out the Exploring Creation with Zoology Swimming Creatures of the Fifth Day book from Apologia. We pulled out Amanda Bennett's unit studies on dolphins and whales and sharks and seashells. We pulled out the Nature Explorers from Shining Dawn books on remarkable rain and captivating clouds. We printed off some notebooking pages from notebookingpages.com and a few lap book pieces from HomeschoolShare. We filled his book basket with picture books, chapter books, an atlas, an encyclopedia from Usborne, and nonfiction books about oceans and ocean animals. We watched amazing YouTube videos. We checked out DVDs from the library and visited the zoo and an aquarium. Then put together an amazing ocean puzzle and created a diorama. Then we went to the beach on vacation. Let me stop for just a minute to talk about that. Field trips are so important. Whether you have the means to take vacations or not, or even extravagant field trips, do find ways to give your kids some hands-on experiences with field trips. Every state has a history. Most states have a state or national park or more than one. Every city has community servants such as firemen, a mayor, policemen. All of these can give your kids a richer experience with homeschooling. So often I hear homeschool moms say it's too much trouble, but it really is worth the effort. Once I figured out that following Ben's interest was engaging him in the learning process in a way that had been unmatched so far, we took the plunge into using this delight-directed method all the time. Did it make me nervous? It did at first, just a little, but the rewards have been great. Let me give you another example. Ben discovered a love of history purely by accident when we were studying about horses. When the horses unit study we were using took us to Egypt to learn about how the pharaohs used horses to pull their chariots, we ended up down a rabbit trail that led to digging a hole in our backyard for the chicken we ended up mummifying. So maybe that was a chicken trail instead of a rabbit trail. But from that, a trip into world history began and eventually into American history as well, which is where Ben's passions primarily lie today. Finding different ways to incorporate Ben's passion for things like America's history into everyday life has broadened his perspective tremendously. Instead of only learning what was in the curriculum we used as our spine for World War II, we also took field trips, read books, incorporated play, apps, games, movies, then immersed himself into the topic for over a year. And today, I dare say he knows more about World War II than most adults. He definitely knows more than this adult. And more importantly, he has discovered a passion for history that will likely lead him to his profession in the future. If you ask Ben today what he wants to study in college, he will tell you history. He even refers to himself as an historian. Imagine what he would have lost had we just stopped with learning about horses if I had not been willing to let him follow that chicken trail. Sometimes, much of the time, when I begin talking about 
delight-directed learning to other homeschool moms, I get a blank stare for a few minutes, followed by these types of questions. You don't write lesson plans in advance? How do you know if your son is learning everything he needs to learn? What about gaps? What about high school? It seems to bring out the anxiety and maybe even the lack of confidence when I suggest veering off the prescribed lesson plan. And I get that. I really do. So I want to chat with you guys for just a bit about some of these concerns I often hear about. Let's begin with gaps because whether you're using delight-directed learning or anything else, you're nervous about gaps. Every homeschool mom has concerns about this, no matter what curriculum or homeschool method she uses. So I'm going to say something a little bit radical. I don't believe in gaps. Or rather, I don't believe having gaps in learning is an issue. Let me ask you a question. How often did you finish your textbooks in school? Never, right? I sometimes remember being so frustrated as a young student because it always seemed that we got to the really good parts of history, the school year would end, and the book would be unfinished. And then the new school year would start, and we wouldn't go back to that book and finish it. We would start all over with another textbook that we weren't going to finish that year. Here's the good news. Your students can keep right on learning. They don't have to stop. Curriculum is there to be a resource a tool. It's not meant to rule our homeschools. You're not a slave to your homeschool curriculum. Whether you use delight-directed learning as a fun break from your usual curriculum or as your primary homeschool method, it's still a means to an end, not the end itself. You will never be able to teach your children everything there is to learn, no matter what curriculum you use, no matter what method you use. No one knows everything. But if you have children who know how to retrieve, process, and assimilate information, there can never be gaps because you will have given them the tools to learn everything they need to know, both for now and in the future. So I don't believe in gaps. I believe in loving learning, and I believe in teaching children how to learn, and more importantly, why they should want to learn. I believe with all my heart that giving our children the tools and skill sets to learn about those things in which they are the most interested, most passionate about, that bring them joy and delight, will also give them the tools to a lifelong ability to learn all they'll ever need to know. I have become perfectly comfortable with allowing my son's interests to dictate our days, not even knowing some days what's going to happen next for one reason, his love for learning has been ignited by this method of homeschooling. Those of you who love planning out there are probably hyperventilating by now. You're wondering if I plan anything. Do I even have a calendar or a planner? And the answer is yes, I do. But I use them more to record what happened rather than to sketch out what will happen. The only subjects that get much planning ahead are math and writing. And really, they don't need a lot of planning, right? If you're using a math or writing curriculum, you probably just go to the next lesson day after day. That's what we do too. For those of you who are wondering, math is the one area where we stray from the delight-directed approach, though not completely. If there's an area of learning where gaps can happen and be detrimental to learning, it's with math. 
And to be perfectly honest, we're dealing with that now, mostly because the subject has been such a difficult one that we've made too many changes in curriculum over the years. Been his math gaps for sure, and we're working hard to remedy those. However, allowing Ben some choice in which math curriculum to use, he loves Life of Fred, has helped tremendously. Another frequent question I hear is this one. What about high school? Can we still add delight-directed learning then? This is a question I ask myself many times. Ben is starting high school in the fall, and a year ago as I began panicking about that, I wasn't sure if delight-directed learning was something we could carry over. In fact, I began his eighth grade year with a plan to transition him from high school, I'm sorry, to transition him to high school with a more textbook approach. Like many of you, I want to prepare Ben for college. Whether or not he desires to go to college immediately after high school is beside the point. I need to make sure he's prepared no matter what he chooses after high school. I knew I had to think about state and college requirements. After about a month, I realized that abandoning our delight-directed approach in favor of a more textbook approach was not going to work. We were going to need a new plan. I reached out to some veteran homeschool moms who encouraged me in the idea that delight-directed learning did not have to stop just because high school was imminent. What a relief that was for me. High school is an exciting time and a great opportunity to add delight-directed learning to your student schedule, even if you've never done it before. There are certain core subjects that must be taught, especially for those on the college track. However, there's good news. As the teacher, you have some wiggle room in determining the content of each subject you teach. English, math, social studies, and science are mandatory, but your students' interests can still be considered as you both choose what kind of science or what period in history is studied. The same is true of electives. Fine arts can be music lessons, art classes, or a photography apprenticeship, for example. This is the perfect time to help your student recognize his gifts, passions, and talents and encourage him to begin exploring possible vocational training, mentorships, and apprenticeships. All of these can be parlayed into high school credit in a delight-directed way. In closing, I just want to say that I understand homeschooling in a delight-directed manner is not for everyone, not full-time anyway, but I want to encourage you to consider adding this method to your homeschool in some way. Here are a few ways that you can. You can ask your children what they would like to learn about and then set aside time each day for them to explore that topic online, in books, in games. You can listen to what your children get excited about when they're talking and then find a unit study on that topic to do once a week. You can call it Friday Fun School or Unit Study Day. If you can't find a unit study on the topic, you can create one yourself. Delightful Planning can help you do that. I also have some posts on my blog at benandme.com that can help you with that as well. You can take a break from your usual curriculum for a week or a month or during the summer and dive into a topic that you've brainstormed with your children. You can create a fun school jar of exciting activities that can be done on the fly and use that for those days when your children are struggling to stay engaged with your normal curriculum. Schedule field trips around the topics your children are excited about. It doesn't even have to be on something that you're studying. Head to the library or even your own bookshelves and find books to fill a book basket 
on a topic your child is passionate about. Do a fun project together. Let them get messy. Use your curriculum as a jumping off point. When you're teaching and you see that spark, be willing to follow some rabbit trails to really fan the flame. Make holidays more fun with special art projects, unit studies, books, or baking. Have your children begin keeping a journal of ideas and then use those ideas to create unit studies or to just create a book basket for them to be able to read more and learn more. We are lucky enough to grow up in an environment where there was always much encouragement to children to pursue intellectual interests to investigate whatever aroused curiosity. That's a quote from Orville Wright, and I just love that quote. I encourage you all to do the same for your children. Well, thank you so much, Marcy. That was great, and I loved some of the quotes that you gave us earlier. Um, how to stay in the flames when you see a little spark. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> it just really, um, you know, gives you that that picture of, um, you know, exactly how it should be. And so that always, those little visuals help. Well, we have um, some questions here, and of course, um, my computer is wanting to reset itself, so I've clicked a few buttons to keep it uh, at bay. Um, first, we had um, a friend, you know, hop in and just say hi, uh, Jen Ranieri. So she, well, she didn't have a question, but I know she um, she knows she knows the system, so she she put that in there. So she said hi to two of my favorite people. So I thought that was sweet. Um, Renetta, who, yeah, who hails from Australia, who's with us tonight, she said, um, do you think it is more beneficial to purchase homeschool curriculum or books on the topic the child is interested in? I think there's a place for both, and we use both. Um, I don't know that we use both equally, but we do use both. Living books, I think, are very, very valuable, especially things like historical fiction, anything that can mm -hmm. put your child, you know, in that situation and allow them to kind of live out the story is great. Um, but there's a there's a place for curriculum, especially the curriculum like I mentioned before, like the Apology of Science books or Mystery of History, some of that curriculum that really is very living book-ish. Um, mm -hmm. Those are our favorites to use. Well, I'm excited to hear you talk about unit studies because um, my curriculum is unit study based, and you know it had it was you know very very in when I started homeschooling. I mean, most of us did unit studies um, because there just wasn't a lot of curriculum that was geared to homeschoolers. Of course, now uh, that has you know flip flopped around, and and I don't hear of as many people doing unit studies. Um, as we did in the past. So uh, to me, I, I'm really excited to hear you talking about it, Marcy, because as you know, um, when you start with one topic, it's amazing how many of the other subjects you can pull in. And, um, you know, for those of us that like to keep track and write things down just to make ourselves feel better, um, I think, um, you know, it does help to have, you know, something like your planner so that, um, you know, you can keep track of what you're 
you're doing, um, especially if it's a, a theme-based study, um, mm -hmm. and then also, you know, listing some of the other subjects that you pulled in. I could do another whole Mommy Jammies night just on unit studies. I I know. I really, I really believe unit studies are hands down the best way to teach. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that, um, you know, I, I need to get you over on Vintage Homeschool Moms uh, show that I host because that is, um, you know, something we covered but not really in depth. And then also I had a guest that talked about living books. Uh, so if you're not familiar with that term, um, you know, um, it's more of a, you know, quote-unquote uh, real book that um, is not necessarily part of a curriculum. Uh, classics are considered living books, um, you know, ones that have been around for some time. Um, topical um, books are considered living books. So there's a couple of, of podcasts, and um, I can tell everybody since Michelle Miller did sign a contract that she will be uh, podcasting on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network um, on the topic of living books. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, for the book lovers uh, out there. And um, I think that will be great. I usually describe um, living books as, generally speaking, they're books that are written by one person as opposed to textbooks that are often written by contributing authors, many mm -hmm. contributing Very authors. So, so that's one yeah, way that's to, to think about yeah, them as well. Very good. Very good. Um, Okay, so I think the other thing you did tonight was I think you gave people permission. Um, you know, I, I know that sometimes we we think we need permission from someone or even ourselves to, you know, do some of the things you said, like not finish a book, oh, gasp, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, you're right. None of us finished our books and, and um, when we were in school, but we insist on our kids finishing our books. And I, I have to say, you know, in the high school years, we've done more of that, um, of finishing some things, uh, whereas before, you know, we didn't. And I think part of it is I don't assign, like in math, I don't assign every single problem in the math book. Um, the other is uh, the same thing with, um, you know, our science. Um, we don't do every single question. You know, I look through and I make sure that we hit those points or we just do them orally, and then it gives us more time to delve into the things we wanted to do. Like this year, um, we got off on a tangent on blood types and really spent some time, you know, learning about it, what our blood types are, and then I introduced the kids to something that I had been looking into a while ago and you know how some people like red meat or some people just love chicken or you know kind of like the foods you gravitate to well there's been this whole study on the blood type diet so right my, you know, yeah so my kids and I got into this big debate um, you know because my kids like to poo-poo anything that's, <laughs> that might be healthy <laughs> <laughs> or you know um anything like that but it was it was really funny um so i had like the pro and con o over whether that was really correct or not but um you know so that led into some debate and some further research you know and before you know it you know everybody's looking into it so that they can make their point and you know that's 
that's the light-based learning. You know, it's when the kids get excited about something they're studying and you actually give them the time. And I think, too, um, Marcy, talk to the fact that as homeschoolers, sometimes we don't give our kids enough time to really explore what they're interested in. You're absolutely right. And it makes me really sad. Sometimes I'll read um, blog posts, for example, where bloggers are talking about, you know, what their homeschool schedule is like. And they're they're starting their kids at, you know, 8 in the morning and they're finishing at 3 or 4 in the afternoon. It's just subject after subject after subject. It's what I describe as doing school at home. And Mm -hmm. here's the beauty of homeschooling. We don't have to do that. <laughs> we, it's, you know, one of the things that, that I reject as a homeschool mom is doing school, is, you know, doing things the way the public school would do it so that you have one subject every hour all day long between nine and three. Um, our children are lacking time to play. They're lacking time to explore they're lacking time to just be free because not not only are we spending six hours doing something that should take probably two or three hours, depending on the age of the child, but we're also overscheduling them with activity. And even mm-hmm. homeschoolers are, are bad about this as well right. with too many, you know, scouts and sports and music lessons and drama and youth group and, you know, all the time there's just, Every day our kids are gone and their schedules are so jam-packed. And I really think that they're losing that opportunity to really not only play and, and just explore, but to have time just to be still and to have time to learn about what they really are interested in. You know, they don't know. They don't even know what their interests and passions are because they don't have time to explore them. So I encourage I encourage um, everyone to kind of slow down a little bit with everything that you're expecting of your children. And homeschool moms are doing this from a young age. I know because I used to be one. You know, you know I, I can remember Ben being really young and scheduling a subject every hour for five hours a day when he was, you know, in first grade. And it's just crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Yeah. But I I think, too, and that is a pet peeve of mine, not giving kids enough time. You know, I think, too, that, um, you know, kids need that block of time. And even my kids in high school now, um, we were talking about that recently because they like to read. And so sometimes, you know, I just say there's not enough time for pleasure reading plus all the other stuff that you need to get done. And I kind of caught myself and I said, you know what, let's just schedule some a block of time and like I'll just I'll pull off in the evening and you know read read something or you know I try not to pull the computer out because I could work like you Marcy we could work 24 hour days you know and and never be done so I try really hard not to but um, you know the kids are tired at night or may not you know feel like doing it at night and um, and so you know that was they were like really excited to hear that I was going to you know schedule in some time for them to be able to just do that and just relax a little bit um you know during the summer most of the time we don't uh do school in the last couple of years we've had to do some um because of you know just circumstances and um I had some in-law you know um that that were sick 
um, right after Christmas for a few months, and so that kind of put us behind on some things. But, um, you know, it really has been nice to just kick back a little bit and, and still get some things done. Um, but anyway, a couple of um, uh, more questions here. I first, uh, Trisha from uh, Damascus said, not a question, but a thank you for the reminders and encouragement. I said, focus on delight learning, delight-directed learning. I came here tonight not looking forward to this year, but as you talked, I started drooling over getting back to this type of teaching, especially hanging out at the library. <laughs> yeah. Uh, place, place dear to our hearts, right? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, thanks, Tricia, for, for uh, sharing that with us and especially with Marcy. Uh, Julie asks, and Julie's from Indian, Indianapolis, um, can I use this method for a 14-year-old who is struggling with starting eighth grade? He is, he is a fanatic about sports, especially basketball, and we've already done all the unit studies out there. You've done all the unit studies on basketball? Is that what she's saying? No, just she's just saying just in general she's done a lot of, of unit studies out there. So, Absolutely. Yeah. She wants to know can, she's, mm-hmm. oh. Yes, you can absolutely do this method um, for a boy in the eighth grade. If there are, um, if you feel like you've done all the unit studies out there, then I would encourage you to just brainstorm with him some ideas of some things that he would like to learn about that you haven't done unit studies on. And if there's not a unit study out there, then to create it yourself. It's really not that difficult to do. Right. Very good. Very good. And, you know, um, it, sometimes, you know, we look at these things and we say, well, you know, there just isn't enough learning to be had. But um, with sports, there's so much science that's mm-hmm. involved. You know, there's a lot that has to do with body, bodybuilding, um, you know, working on um, trajectory um, and, and so many different things that uh, come into play. So, you know, you can find a lot of things that you can, you know, and, and this is the teacher and me talking, you know, maybe sneak in to make you feel better. But, again, um, you know, I, I think that, that just keeping track of what you're doing, and I think the planner is a great idea, Marcy. Um, I think it's, you know, something that people can use as a foundation um, when they're building their own unit study and also to keep track of, um, what they have learned, and you know, most of us want to make sure um, that you know we're doing a good job. And I agree with you, you know, about the gaps that uh, the younger and mommy and me was always really, really concerned about that. But as I'm getting older and a little bit more relaxed uh, now that I'm at the end of my journey again, <laughs> at the end of my journey once <laughs> with two older kids, yeah. and uh, the end again with the the three younger ones um, actually graduated number three and number four will graduate next year. I can't believe that time's gone and then I'll just have um, Michael left. And um, and so, yeah, and so, you know, we look at these, these years and we say, okay, how can we make the best of it and we want to be the best teachers that we can be? And I think having a record and looking back over it, Marcy, don't you think that that makes us feel good? Um, that we, yeah, you know, look at how much we've done this year instead of thinking, oh, my gosh, we didn't get anything done this year. I agree. And uh, apart from just the, the tools that are in this planner, we use notebooking a lot. When Ben was younger, we used lot booking. Mm-hmm. And so we have 
still tons of lap books that we created. And I say we because I was equally <laughs> involved in creating those lap books as he was. As any of you who do lap books might know, right. sometimes children are not so excited about the cutting and pasting part. Um, but now we do notebooking. So notebookingpages.com is probably one of my all-time favorite um, resources for homeschooling because Deborah has just built an incredible library of notebooking pages. So there's hardly a subject you could come up with that she has not created notebooking mm -hmm. pages that you can use. And they're especially great. I mentioned earlier about when Ben was younger and how laborious writing was for him. And it's still not great. You know, he's 14, but he's still a 14-year-old boy with ADHD and he's left-handed. And those are just all a recipe for disaster when it comes to handwriting. And notebooking pages just makes it easier. Sometimes it's fill in the blank. It's maybe a biographical sketch where you're just kind of filling in dates and some pertinent information. So I recommend using that along with unit studies as well. To At the end of the year, you have a record, you know, what right. you've learned because you've used those notebooking pages. And when bloggers are creating notebooking pages like crazy out there on their blogs too. So you can almost always find something. I was going to say something about basketball when you were talking about that too. Sports mm -hmm. are a wonderful um, method of teaching for boys especially and young teenage boys because when you think about basketball, it's super simple to pull in like you were talking about the science, just the physical body, human body, traje trajectory, those kinds of things. But you also have history of the sport. You have, you know, some famous people, obviously, that have played basketball that you can study and learn about. Um, you can learn, um, you know, U.S. geography just from plotting on a map, you know, where all the different teams are, the pro teams, colleges. There's all kinds of things that you can do with, um, with sports with kids. Amanda Bennett has a baseball unit study that's mm -hmm. great. She, she has one on she has one on auto racing that's great. Um, for the younger kids, she has one on soccer. She has one on football. We've used all of these in our homeschool. So very yeah, boy-friendly. Yeah, Wendy's posting a lot of ideas here, too. She goes, research the history of a sport, the transitions it has gone through, attend games, um, and, you know, that kind of a thing. So, yeah, um, I remember telling um, – Amanda, one time at a conference, she's a, a really good friend of mine, and, and uh, that my, my kids were really into the sports and the baseball, and I needed to get over to their booth to get um, one of her unit studies, and she came by and just dropped it off and gave me a hug. I couldn't leave to get over there, and, and the kids really enjoyed that. So, um, you know, her her stuff is, is really good, and, and she has everything on digital, so you can get that. and and print that out, and, um, and that's great. So um, anyway, um, we are um, at the end of time. Let me look here, and uh, I don't think we have any more questions. Um, lots of great comments in the chat room, and Marcy, I um, hope you get a chance to go back. So for those of you that were listening on the phone um, or listening in the ar um, archives, um, you know, we are – so happy that you were able to come here today, and it was um, 
really a labor of love, Marcy, for you to come on and spend time with us. And I know it's always such a blessing uh, to have speakers that are passionate about uh, their topic and what they do, and we can hear that definitely um, in your voice and with what you shared tonight. So thanks so much for coming. Um, Give us, uh, okay, again, your website and where people can find you, um, and then um, I will give people information about where to find this uh, podcast. Awesome. Benandme.com is my blog. And I have a, a very active Facebook community at facebook.com slash me. I would love to see you over there. You can find me on all of social media. I'm on Pinterest and Instagram and Twitter as well. And I wanted to tell you all, if you want more, even more <laughs> information about delight-directed learning, I'm actually writing a series this month. Every day the, in the month of July, there's a new post. Um, I'm not writing all of it. I was smart and asked some of my good homeschooling mom blogger friends to write some of it, which has made it just an even richer series because you get the perspective Mm -hmm. of someone other than just me. But feel free to check that out as well. You'll see a new post every day. If you subscribe, I'll send a newsletter. I'm sending one out about once a week with links just to remind you. Wonderful. That's that's great. And I did see um, a bunch of great posts that I had marked to go back and read later. So I'm excited about that. And um, and so for those of you uh, listening again that want to um, get the show notes as well as uh, links to um, Marcy's um, pages and her direct link to her book, um, go to mommyjammiesnight.com. Look for the, the topic is delightful planning, and it's episode 21 on mommyjammiesnight.com. Well, thanks again for joining us. We will see you again uh, next month. Uh, for those of you who um, frequent our Mommy Jammies Night, we are excited uh, to have some great speakers lined up uh, for the coming um, months. So. Um, Thanks again, Marcy, for coming. I really appreciate it, and we will talk to you again soon. Thank you, Felice. I appreciate it. I'm so happy you came to Mommy Jammy's Night. Please drop my guests a line and let them know how thankful you are that they gave their time. And follow up with me on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network Facebook page or via email. God's blessings upon you and your family. Thanks for joining us.